So we are uh, looking at uh, uh, the fall of man here and the results of that, really, uh, in this context. And uh, what we find here in Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse thir- uh, 17. We've been through two of them. Now we're seeing sort of the final judgments to, to man. In Genesis 3:17, as we mentioned last time, uh, at least I, some of this what I mentioned, uh, it says this. I'm going to read it. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also, and thistles shall bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust and unto dust shalt thou return. So we see this pronouncement, and, and this pronouncement, he's talking about physical death, and he's talking about labor and difficulty, and um, it's, uh, you know, it won't be easy. You know? I mean, it's totally different, right? I mean, they made a choice. They now know something they didn't know before, right? That's the, that's the aspect of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They now understand that uh, there, there are, uh, uh, that, that things, you know, that, that it's, it's a different world for them, right? Uh, and, and what I mentioned last time is that this curse, which is, uh, Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8, is, is, he calls it the bondage of corruption. It brings to vanity, brings to nothing, things that are. And the things will decay. And, and we get old now, right? Ad, you know, I mean, Adam lived to be 930 years of age. But you know what? Age would have meant nothing if Adam hadn't sinned. Right? Each day he would have never been, never, not, not a day older, not a wrinkle, not a, not a frown line, not a smile line, anything you got on you, right? None of those things would have happened, right? But Adam, Adam because of that sin, there's now this, this issue of, of physical death, that's a, you know, to the ground I should go, and the fact of decay, where things just fall apart. And that went throughout the universe, throughout the universe. And that's not the way it was. Look what God's way is. Go to Isaiah chapter 9. God's way. Isaiah 9, and then uh, we'll go to uh, 1 Corinthians 14. So vanity is disorder. Vanity is chaos. Things falling apart, right? It's, uh, you know, it becomes a, you know, it, it, everything goes to dust, you know. Take your car, let it sit outside for a couple hundred years, you'll just have a heap of rust. You know, there'll be just They'll be just sitting there, right? You don't have to do anything to it. You don't have to hurt it. It'll just decay, right? Do whatever you can, then it'll eventually decay. <laughs> Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. Power, you know, getting close to Christmas, I'll read it. So, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. It's talking about Jesus Christ here. It says, And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Proof verse that, Jesus Christ is God, the Almighty God, right? Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, and what's the next word say? To order it. God's, and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. God has order, right? It's an issue of order. Uh, look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14. 1 Corinthians 14. In verse uh, 33. For God is not what? The author of confusion. God does not author confusion. He, he authors order. Author means writes it out, right? He uh, creates it, right? Down in verse 40, in the context of the church, because 
that's how God does things. We ought to do those things, right? Let all things be done what? Decently and in order. That is, there should be structure, right? Because God structures things. He, he puts things together and they are perfect at the beginning, right? They, that's just what it, it was perfect. And it would have remained that way, right? Except that now God has cursed the ground and, and everything in it to be, it's under the bondage of corruption. Paul talks again, and I mean, we talked about last time in Romans 8, that it was not done willingly. The creation, the created things did not want this, right? It was, it was, a, it was a sentence of death that was placed upon man, but also all of, all of life. You know, the animals, did they sin? Yeah, but they're going to die. Did the trees do anything wrong? No, but they're going to fall. They're going to they're grow old, and they're going to fall and collapse and turn to dust, right? It's going to go. It's going to go that path. That is the. That's that. That's the sentence, right? And it's going to be lifted one day, right? Now, for a long time, when I was young, and I heard Pastor Colt preaching a lot, right? I always thought it had to do with the millennium. During the millennium, everything's perfect, and I, and I, I'm trying to listen to uh, things, but I, and I'm not sure if Paul, Pastor Colt made the, dif, the, the the distinction or not. I, I was trying to remember from some things, but the millennium, things are not perfect everywhere. They are perfect in the land. Right? The land, the curse is lifted in the land. Right? And that's why all of Israel is saved. That's, you know, that's, their, that's their homeland. But the rest of the earth, that's not the case. Right? Uh, during, in a new heaven and new earth, that's when the curse is finally totally lifted across the entire universe. There's a new heaven and a new earth. Right? We, we're going we're gonna to reestablish things in a, in, in, a, in a way that never decays and falls apart. Right? So that's sort of, you know, the... The, the, you know, where God's at. So everything's going to vanity today. And, you know, and I know we worry about things, but you know what? They go away. Okay? Eventually, right? Either, or, or we go away. One of the two, right? So, you know, we worry about something and we leave this life maybe and go to the next life, do with the Lord. All right? Or we worry about things and then we figure out we have something else to worry about. Right? So we just, you know, things like that. But it all goes away. You know, uh, we, we tend to focus on the moment and in time, it goes away. Go to Genesis 3.20, back to Genesis. So Genesis 3.20, uh, in the context, is God just, you know, bang, he's, he slams them, right, with this judgment, right? And, and there's more to come. Okay, so this is just the, so, because there's, there's, there's a little bit more to this, right? But in verse 20, you have, you know, Adam do something sort of curious, I think. He says, but, but it's interesting. He says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve, right? Because she was the mother of all living, right? Uh, the word Eve means life giver or, or living or life, all right? And what Adam is doing is basically making a statement of faith. He's basically recognizing what God promised, right? Had they had children yet? Okay. No, there were no babies yet, right? So, so anything like that. So, God, so Adam is saying, you know, I believe you, God, right? And notice what God then does in verse 21. Okay, well, I'm sorry. And he says unto them, and unto Adam also, and to his wife did what? The Lord God made coats of skins and clothed them. So those two things sort of go together, I think, uh, at least in my mind they do, okay? Because in verse 21, you have a situation where God's taking care of sin, because there, was, had to been a, there had to have been an animal, a sinless sacrifice, occur to have coats of skin, right? It also indicates that the works of man, which were what? What did the coats of skin replace? What did Adam and Eve construct for themselves? 
yeah, yeah they, 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 put, they put something together themselves, a work of righteousness. And God says, no, there's a true work of righteousness that needs to occur. And there, you see, so you see this foreshadowing to the cross that, that goes through this, right? You, you, you see that uh, aspect going on. So anyways, but Eve was now, I mean, God pronounces death and dying, and Adam names his wife Eve, who is life and giving. So there's hope in that message. He says there's hope in this, because of the seed of the woman, right, the sa Satan's going to be bruised, right, and God's going to carry on his plan, right? Um, so it was, it was, you know, it, the other aspect is that Eve was different now. She's not the same woman he married, right? There, there was a difference. And now because, and, but he saw her as hope, right? He wasn't upset with her in a way like, I despise you now, right? You know, which you know, maybe you might think, you know, you know, just a little earlier he said, the woman that you gave me, okay? You know, you know, she, she, you know she, she gave me to eat. You know, and so he threw her under the bus, but you know, he's, you know, she, he sees her as hope, right? Um, and so this, to, to me, this is, this, there's an issue of, of faith in that they believe what God says. It, it goes back to the promise, it's replenish the earth, right? It becomes a reality to them now. So Adam sees, you know, the truth, what God has said to him, right? Of the seed of the woman, there's the promise. And he believes it, and he knows that their part they, their, their, their lives are going to continue, all right, because even though there's death pronounced, right, you're going to turn to the ground, you, God says there's still a promise that's going to be through you. You're the fix. You're still here to still do the, jo the job I uh, assigned you to do, basically to, to replenish the earth. You lost the till the garden thing. You're going to find that out in a minute, all right? But he says, but that's, that's the part you're going to, but you're going to labor hard. It's not going to be easy like it was before. It's going to be hard. In verse 21, again, like I said, God takes care of their sin. There's an animal sacrifice. There's coats of skin, right? What, Bill? Uh, do you think this, it would have been different if she would have just sinned or just ate the fruit and not him? Well, I think things would have been different. You know what I mean? Yeah, they had to have been different. Yeah. You know, what, what, uh, what God says to Adam is that, you, I mean, because you have hearkened unto your wife, you, 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 you listened to her, if he would have not listened to her, all right, and hearkened unto God, the judgment there would have been different, or not at all, at least a man. I and mean, um, this was a situation where Adam made a choice. I mean, he's the one who willingly sinned. It's sort of like going back to, you know, why is it that God says he will not clear the guilty? In Exodus chapter 33, 34, in the nature of God, that he will not just clear the guilty. Look what it says there. Go to Exodus 34. Maybe it's 33. I'll, we'll find out in a second. I'll, I'll know. It's in the lower left-hand corner. 34, verse 5. Exodus 34, verse 5. We'll start there. Moses requests to God, Lord, show me your glory. And God says, okay, I'm going to show it to you. And he hides him in the cleft of the rock. And as he passes by, he says some things. But anyways, verse 5. So we get the song, Rock of Ages, all the stuff from Exodus 33 at the end, the stuff like that. But in verse 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, here's some things he's talking about. Here's who I am. The Lord, I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering 
and abundant in goodness and truth. Sounds like the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? That's what God creates in each and every one of us, right, as, as he works in our lives, right? Verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means, what? Clear the guilty, all right? So there's forgiveness, but then there's no means. There's not, it, he will not in any means clear the guilty. He won't just write it off like it didn't happen. That's why the cross had to occur, right? With me, right? But there's, a, there's an issue under the law, okay? And there's an issue of what Christ did. He nailed the law to the cross, right? And it was, you know, it was, it, and it was that curse of that law, which was the result of it, was nailed to the cross, and it's no longer punitive to us. Because we, because Christ died our death, our second death. He didn't clear the guilty. He gave our sin to someone else to take care of it, right? With me? But under the law, there were two types of murder. In fact, under our law, there's, there's multiple levels of murder, right? We talk about one being first degree, and then you have second degree, and then other ones. And so they got, well, the Bible talks about two major types. Basically, there's like, you intended to murder, and then there was the accidental one called manslaughter, right? And under the law, if you murdered somebody, there was no clearing. It was death sentence, right? But manslaughter, all right, God's, you know, we talk about sanctuary cities, right? Okay. There were sanctuary cities, all right? So if you accidentally, you're in the field, all right, and, and you, uh, you know, you're, 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 you know, hacking away at a tree with an ax, an ax flies off and kills somebody, all right? God says, well, you're not guilty, Go, but, but the issue is he's got brothers and sisters and stuff like that, and they're not going to be happy, and so you can flee to the city. So these sanctuary cities, and as long as the high priest is alive, you're safe, right? But you, you can hang out there. The interesting part is that, you know, the high priest in Scripture is who? Jesus. He was the high priest, right? Jesus Christ. And as long as he's alive, Pastor Call had a real good message on this. You can flee to that sanctuary city, which is Jesus Christ, right? And so when you flee to Christ, and as long as he's alive, you are, you're, you're safe, right? Well, the interesting thing is, the whole concept, how could God even do that, though? Because we, you know, we, you know, are, are, are we guilty or are we guilty, okay? For instance, like, did God do anything for Satan and his angels? No, because Christ, what did Christ call Satan? He was a murderer, for, a liar from the beginning, right? See, he is the, he's, he's the he, he created murder, right? Because he knew. He knew the situation. Man, you know, today, I mean, for us today, have you ever seen God face to face? You know, I mean, you have secondhand knowledge, Eve, secondhand knowledge. So he's, she was not held accountable for the sin because she didn't disobey God. She disobeyed her husband, maybe, all right? Okay. But Adam was held in accountability because of the, 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 the absolute rebellion to God. When there's, when there's anyway, so what I'm trying to get at, there's, there's two types, of, there's two, two levels there, right? So um, Adam, what, whose question was I answering? I can't remember now. Bill, what was your question again? So I'll get back to it. Why? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would have it been, a, it would have been a different situation because Eve didn't create the murder. She's like manslaughter or something like that. So that would have been forgiven in some fashion. 
But Adam was not clear because he did the, he did the act. It wasn't that they were naked, that, that was the problem. They, they felt shame. God had no trouble with them on the issue. They, they had changed. Okay, they changed. She would have changed. And what Adam could have done was what we all should do is trust the Lord. All right? So we need to trust the Lord, you know, trust what he says. Because God, you know, God, you know, God told Adam, right? And instead of trusting the Lord, he chose to disobey the Lord, right? It was a, it was, it was a, it was a black and white decision. Do or don't do, right? And he did it knowingly, willingly, by choice, in rebellion. He hearkened to his wife. He listened to her and accepted that as being more important to what God was saying. And he, he rebelled. And so God dealt with that, right? So, so the issue is that that's a different level. So sin would have not, quote, entered in, at least that time. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure Satan would have gave up, right? So, but, uh, you know, it, it would have, but again, that's, you know. I mean, you could, you could, you could, I can answer this question this way, too. So let's go to 2 Timothy. I think it's 2 Timothy. I have, so don't, don't take us offensively, Bill. No. Okay. No, no, no. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, I'm going to say something here, but don't take it offensively, right? Because so, those are what ifs, right? Yeah. yeah. So what ifs are things like, okay, it didn't happen, right? So I have questions like that from kids sometimes. We have to so say, could God make a rock? Too big that he couldn't pick it up. Okay, you know something I got. So that's this. That's this thing. If Paul, Paul says this in verse twenty-three, because people, by the way, ask these questions a lot, and they wonder. They and they and, and they and it causes a lot of confusion, and they, and they come up with strange doctrines, right? So Paul says in verse 23, 22, 20, 23, but foolish and unlearned questions. What said? Avoid. Avoid those things if you can. All right. Because if, if you dwell on that too much, you'll think like, well, what would it have been like or something like that? And maybe it creates a strange doctrine. There's strange ones like that. For instance, in the book of, this, the passage here we're reading where God says, uh, well, let's look at Abel. Oh, no, we'll just look at uh, Genesis 3. God says to Adam, where art thou? Well, didn't God know? Well, maybe God doesn't know everything. Maybe he's, you know, maybe, you know, even though, you know, maybe he's not omniscient. All right, you know what? You know, you know what? You know, or like he says to he t- he says to Moses, he says to Moses in Exodus 32, he says to him, he, he said, "I am going to destroy this nation and make of thee a great nation." Right? I'm going to do this. And Moses prays to God, talks to him face to face, and God changed his mind. He says that he repented of the evil which he would do. All right, and so what? The t- there's different takes on that. One of the takes is that, okay, well, didn't God know Moses was going to say that? So then why did God say, I'm going to destroy him? And then God, Moses talks to him, and then God changes his mind. Well, God doesn't change his mind, does he? Does he, does he perfect? Well, what was God going on? Well, actually, God did change his mind, by the way. Because so. <laughs> so God, God doesn't lie. So what, if Moses didn't say one word, what would have happened? So the question is what people say, okay, well, God, so if you say God never, you know, never, never takes into account what his children say. So why would you pray if God didn't take into account what you say? Just let it happen. That's called fatalism, right? right? I mean, if, you, you know, if God doesn't listen to you and take into account when you request to him, when you talk to him, God says, pray without ceasing. And everything, give, you know, give thanks, right? He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God, right? right? And then some people say, well, the result is it's just peace. 
He ignores the requests and just does what he wants anyways, right? Do you affect God's will? Apparently you do. Right? Right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails, makes, produces much, right? Has to do with the relationship we have with God, all right? We're on a different context here again, so we're not going to get to what I wanted to do that for, but God, uh, we are, we, we have a relationship with God, just like, you know, like a parent, like a, here's a father, he's a loving father, right? Listens to his children, all right, and takes into account. There are, it, and, and God af- and, and it can affect God's will. It's still his choice. God still does what he wants, right? And there are some parts of God's will you'll never change. It's, you know, his sovereign will. I mean, you can pray all day long that you want to spend your eternity on earth, you know, and, and you know, in a, in, a, in a mansion somewhere on the earth or something like that. And you may want to make that what you want to do, but that's not what God's going to do with you, right? You have a heavenly calling, and by the way, you may have a building up there somewhere, but you don't have one in, in New Jerusalem, right? Uh, in, in New Jerusalem. So there, you know, there may be something up there you're living in, but not in New Jerusalem. Regardless of what you pray about, that's not going to happen. You can pray till you're blue in the face that you don't die. Okay, well, the only, you know, there's an option that's called the rapture, but if the rapture doesn't happen, we're, we're going to physically die. It's appointed to man once to die. There, there are absolute truths that will happen. But there are details along the way that you can be engaged in. That's why God wants you to pray. And he answers how many, pra- how many of your prayers? All of them. He listens to everyone. He doesn't say yes all the time. But if he says yes at all, it means you have changed the course of reality. Because it would have just kept going on, but God responded to you. God, so what was God doing back here? Was, so anyway, so the idea is about free, is that, this is a question that becomes about free will, right? So is God just a puppet master? He's asking questions just to make you jump around and respond, all right, in a certain way to get the answer he wants, all right? That means you have no free will, all right? And so people take those things, these questions where God says, where art thou? Or, or you know, where's your brother, Cain? You know, God knows these things. Well, what he's doing is giving an opportunity for Abraham to demonstrate his, his faith, giving an, you know, an opportunity for, for uh, Cain to, to, um, to um, confess his, his sin or what he has done. You know, you know when, he, when he asked uh, Adam and Eve what they did, they confessed their sin. They recognized they were wrong. Right? They may have tried to throw somebody else under the bus, but they recognized, they, they, they stated the facts, right? God honored that in the end, right? Because he then, grace by grace, gives them, uh, an, you, know, um, you know, takes care of their sin, right? And, and, and that was clear. So go back to Genesis 3.21 again then. Uh, that's a roundabout, huge roundabout. That's, one of those, that's like being in, uh, a round, you know what a roundabout is? You come along the highway and then there's, a, and there's no like intersection. Okay, and if it's a really big roundabout, you might get stuck on it and just keep going around. That's what I did for a little while. All right, so we're off that roundabout now. Verse 21. Yeah, I, I think so. So I hope so. God wanted the answer, so I guess, right? Unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. So just pay attention to the particular situation here. Who did the work? God did the work. Who accepted the work? Adam and Eve did. You know, nothing's changed. 
All right. Who did the work? Jesus Christ, right? What do we need? We need to accept that work, what Christ has done for us. Man accepts, man receives. You know. By the way, God actually seeks it. He actually initiates it, right? It wasn't man asked, God, do this for me. God took care of it. God commended his love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? It's the same pattern. It always has been when it comes with the Lord. He's always the first doer. He's always the, he's always the one that does that, right? Uh, it also indicates that what Adam and Eve did was unacceptable, right? He deemed it unacceptable and produced an acceptable path uh, to, to them. And they believed him. They believed what God said. They put it on, right? They, they, they didn't, they didn't uh, I mean, he clothed them. Um, I, I think they, you know, he produced it. I think they, they accepted it and put it on. Um, there's some uh, other folks that say similar things to that. Um, you know, I'm not going to go there because we, we, we did a roundabout. But in the book of Hebrews, uh, talks about by the blood of bulls and goats, there can what? The blood of, the blood of bulls, and bo- bulls and goats cannot take away one sin, right? So, so it wasn't that blood that took care of it. It was God's, God's grace that took care of it. But he was, you know, the pattern is that there has to be a sacrifice, right? A sinless sacrifice uh, to, uh, to that response uh, and, and what needed to happen there. They needed to believe him. Genesis 3.22. Okay, now you have a concern. Okay, so so Adam and Eve are in a new state. So you know, I mean, they have, they've had went through a huge transition in a day or two, right? They went from being perfect to now, you know, totally ashamed and outcast and lost to a new state where now they are back in favor with God. Okay, right? But in a new situation where they're, you know, the issue is it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. They know they're different. They're going to have to work at communion with God. All right? They're going to have to work at that relationship that they just had by, you know, just happenstance because they were in the garden. But God says this, you know, so then God says this to himself. I think it's interesting. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as what? One of them. He's like us now. Well, who's he talking to? Himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's an example of the Trinity. To know good and evil. Okay, that sort of means, you know, it's, so the idea of knowing good and evil is the idea of knowing the difference between. So there's some issue of conscience here. Uh, you know, the, before, before the fall, it was just a natural state to do good. All right? It's just what was the case. But after the fall, now the issue is there's good and evil. There's a battle going on. Uh, within, with, with, with man. And it says, And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Okay? So there's a concern because he's going to, you know, basically God's saying, now he has an opportunity in this present situation, which will not be good, all right, that they can take part of the tree of life and eat. And what's the result of that? Living forever. Right? And think like, what, what's that mean? Well, before we go there, verse 23, Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from uh, whence he was taken. And we'll, we'll get back to that in the verse a little bit. Let's talk about the tree of life. Right? So what is, you know, what's the tree of life about? Right? So there was, because in that midst of that garden there were two trees, two big, you know, two important trees. Right? There was a tree of knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden and the tree of life, which is in the midst of the garden. And Eve was... You know, Satan put her eyes on that guy over there, right? They could have went to the tree of life, but Satan made her, you know, deceived her. She, she dwelled on it, talked to her husband, 
convinced them it was a good idea to, to check it out, and they went and checked it out, and they did something stupid. Incredibly stupid. Right? The tree of life, if he takes out of sand, he takes the tree of life and eats it, he'll live forever. And the idea, so what, what's that mean? Well, I, th I think it means it has to do with, it fixes for eternity whatever state you're in. Go to the book of uh, Revelation, Revelation. So if you want to understand the tree of life, let's go to the end of the Bible, uh, at the end of time. Okay, Revelation, we'll do Revelation 2 first. There's a, uh, I think it's Revelation 2. Um, one, of the, to the, to the, one of the messages to these seven churches, okay, one of the messages of the seven churches is, ends with this. Um, this is, these are these, ki these kingdom churches during the tribulation. All right? and, and all of them refer to something related to this last thing here. But here's what the first one says. He that hath an ear, let him hear. So basically, understand this, guys. What the Spirit saith unto churches. To him that overcometh. So basically, you're, 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 you make it to the tribulation as a righteous person. Will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God, right? So, by the way, the tree's still in the middle of the paradise, in paradise of God, still in, the, still in the garden. It's just the garden ain't where it was, right? It's no longer there. I think it's in the city of God right now, but, uh, which I think that's what Eden is, but that's a different story. But anyway, so he, that ever, he will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the, uh, in the paradise of God. They, you know, they'll have right to it. They'll have the privilege to, to, to eat it. And... Stay righteous forever, I guess, is the context. Go back, go to Revelation chapter uh, 22. Last book of the Bible. Revelation 22. All right, so there's a couple comments made of the tree of life here. So um, chapter 22, verse 1, and this is, you know, John's being showed some things. And he showed me, God, this angel showed John this, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. So there's this water, there's this river, it's coming out from the throne of God, right? Um, and it's pure and crystal clear, and probably that's the river that broke into four heads and went into the, you know, the Garden of Eden, right? Uh, because that's what made it perfect, right? That water, that, that river of water life. And this, by the way, this is the new heaven, new earth. Apostle Paul calls it the dispensation of the fullness of times. When it's all said and done, right? When it's all, when it's back the way it was, except different because Satan's not there. He's not part of this process. His angels aren't part of that process. And the body of Christ is in the heavenly places and, you know, functioning in a, in a, in a glorious way. Verse 2 says, In the midst of the street of it, the, the flow of it there, and on the either side of the river was there the tree of life. This, life, this tree is big. It's on both sides of the river. So it's, it's massive, right? So the river must flow underneath it. Like a big giant redwood in the California, right? That you can drive through or whatever. It's like, it's bigger than that, I guess, right? Okay. Um, and it says, what, it was there the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits. So it's just not one fruit. And yielded a fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. So the fruit is for something, and the leaves somehow do some sort of healing. I don't know what that, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea what it means. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and the servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and said, you're going to be able to go just like it was in the garden. You'll be able to go in. You can see God. You can talk to him. You can, you know, you, know, you, you can participate, you know, be, have access, right? That's not the way it is after the garden, right? I mean, man's cast out. Access is limited, right? Re, you know, Reestablish access, right? Verse 5 says, there should be no more night there. Was there night in the garden? Maybe there was. I don't know, because there was, you know, there was day and night. 
yeah, the cool of being so there is night right well, there's not going to be night now all right so okay sun and the moon but there's no not sun and moon here now all right this is the, there's no need for the sun or the moon in the new heaven new earth right we're back before that all right and there, uh, anyways neither light or sun for the lord god giveth them light and they shall reign forever and how long and ever right go up to verse 14 so then that sort of ends that sort of, uh, sort of that passage, but we have this sort of comments here that, that, uh, uh, that Christ makes and then, uh, and then John says, but it's verse 14, it says, blessed are they that do his what? Commandments. And what happens if you do it? That they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through what? The gates into the city. So in the new heaven and new earth, question, are there still babies? There are, okay, not in heaven. We're not, we're, we're not gonna have, we're not gonna procreate in heaven, but there are, there are individuals that go into, the, in the, you know, go into the millennium, there's children born in the millennium, and then apparently in the new heaven, new earth, they're still having children, okay? And when somebody, you know, takes a step of faith or, or an act of righteousness that God, you know, declares they should do, or whatever it might be, they now have right to the tree of life they put they and they and they enter through the, uh, through the gates into the city and they they uh, they can you know they eat that fruit and they they become they're fixed righteous look what it says up in verse 27 of chapter 21 and there shall no no wise enter into it talking about the city anything what defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie but they which are written in what as it was so when a person you know has you know it's, it's a perfect time. You know, there, is there Satan around? Is there any deceiver? No. no. I mean, would Adam and Eve, what if? Would have Adam and Eve ever sinned if the devil had showed up on the scene? Probably not, right? But, or, and, and so when they had demonstrated some action of faith or whatever, God said, okay, go to the tree. You know, have, have, a, have, have, apparently it fixes things. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's how God's established. At least that's what it appears to be anyways. I ex, ex, uh, experienced it. Right, but anyways, it's it it it's what God was what God did was to protect them, right? Because and protect us, right? Because then mankind would have been unuseful to do what God's called it to do. The seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of Satan. That was not, I mean, that was that was something God had planned already, right? The body of Christ was already planned, so that was already planned, right? That that's what you know. That's why man was created. It's a new creation. Something that as Satan looks at it as nothing, to bring the nothing to things that are, right? You know, we, we are involved in a much bigger thing than, you know, the United States, right? So uh, we can, you know, the things that are that you don't like, you know, we can be part of that. I mean, we're part of that. That's why you vote. That's why you pray, right? Those are, those are the things we to be doing as children of God. And that's how we can, af we can affect change, but not ourselves necessarily, but God. God will affect that change, and we need to be praying about those things and going on those things. Anyways, let's go back. I just want to just—we have two minutes here. Go to Genesis uh, four or three again. So, so because of this situation where they might take take that fruit and be fixed in this eternally, you know, sort of separated. I have to work hard. To, to get communion with God. I mean, when you became saved, God fixed it for us because he gave you the Holy Spirit, right? So now you are in communication with him. You have pure access into the, 
into the into the throne of God. I mean, the moment you know, you can pray, you're standing in the throne of God, right? Right. So we have access. But Adam and Eve, if they would have taken a fruit of the life, they'd have been fixed in a situation where they didn't have that access in that situation. They, they, you know, because had the price for sin been paid yet? Had the, you know, that, that had not been done yet, so there were some problems there. But verse 23, So therefore the Lord God sent him for, forth from the Garden of Eden to, uh, to till the ground from whence he was taken. Interesting. He's going to go back and work the field for the, with the dirt that he was taken from. So God took the dirt out there, he made it into man, and he put him in the garden. So now he takes man and, you know, Adam and Eve, and he, cat, he puts them out to till the ground that they were taken from. So that when they die, they go right back to where they came from, all right? He's taking them to the exact location. I think, here, here's, your, here's your home. I just, I, that's where I took you from. That's the dirt, all right? But verse 24 says this. It wasn't that he just, you know, sent him forth. He, what? Drove out them. And you know what? Adam and Eve didn't go willingly. They were not excited about this, right? right? Especially when they saw what was outside the garden. All right? I'm sure that, you know, there, there was a problem there, right? And he, said, and, he, and, he placed, and he drove out the man, and he placed at the east, uh, east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, and we're going to talk about that next time, okay? and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the tree of life. So basically, you know, if you have the... I mean, Eden is massive... We're gonna, you know, I I fired something up here, but it uh, uh, Eden is large, right? In Eden, eastward of that, somewhere over here, there's a garden, right? And then God drives them out, right? And then He places a couple cherubim, right, to guard that way, right? And and so that they can't come back in. Apparently, it's a gated community, right? You're not getting in, okay? So there's, a, there's, so you're, there's only one way in, and he cast them out, right? Uh, this is, you know, this is God's place, right? Whatever, and this was, wow. Uh, wow, I, I didn't know I could do that. That's, that's, that's pretty impressive. I didn't, I didn't know that was happening, so. That's, uh, God, I don't know. In my, there's many mansions in there, I guess. I don't, I don't know, so <laughs> that's God's place, right? Interesting to think about. I'm going to read a verse to you. And, uh, and um, um, well, did God leave them? God, you know, did, did God, like, you know, is God basically, because did God stay in the garden, is what I'm going to ask, right? And I'm going to just read a verse to you. Verse 16 of Genesis 4. Here's Cain and Abel, or issue about Cain and Abel, right? Okay. And Cain went out from what? The presence of the Lord. Right, God says. By the way, you can't even stay here. He tells Cain. When we look at Cain, he's going to say, "You got to go. You're not allowed. You're, you're going to be a wanderer. You got. You got to leave." So God still stayed here. Right? He still stayed with them, and that's why, by the way, you have sacrifices being given. Right? And I'm going to read. I'll read. We'll read some passages to you about those cherubim, which are interesting. Take a look at scripture if you want to take a moment and read where you find cherubim. And when you find cherubim, you find God, right? On the Ark of the Covenant, there were two cherubim, wings covering, right? Where did God meet them? Between the cherubim, right? Okay, when, uh, when in fact, that's, uh, that's stated, I don't know, I don't know a half a dozen or a dozen times in scripture that God, basically, God meets them between the cherubim, all right? That the God, the God who resides, who lives between the cherubim. In the throne room of God, where is God? 
amongst the cherubim, right? So God is meeting with them there. So there's a, there's a temple of worship that's there, right? And, they're, uh, and Ad, or, uh, uh, Adam, Eve, and then their children were to present sacrifice there. You're going to find that out that's going to be the case. What did Abel bring? He brought the first things of the flock. So there had to be a place to worship God. It was right here between the cherubim, right? So we'll look at that next time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love, your grace, your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege it is to uh, open your scripture and uh, to study it and see the amazing things that are therein. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, it's beautiful. It's an amazing November day here in, in uh, Pennsylvania, and we're so thankful for the sunshine and the warmth. And um, uh, we don't care if other people worry about what that means, but we're thankful that we have this uh, great, uh, great weather. And, uh, and uh, just uh, uh, bless this time that we have today as we fellowship together and worship together. Guard us, Lord. Protect us. Keep us safe. We know that uh, there's still uh, uh, crazy things going on in our world. And we just ask, Lord, that you continue to be, uh, uh, help us to be at peace, uh, to love one another, to do what we're called to do, Lord, to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We thank you for these things, Lord God, in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.